0: Welcome to Tropeful, a weekly look at how trope influences our understanding of our texts. I'm Cantor David Reinwald, and this week we return to exploring the portions in this unique way, finding ourselves at the second portion of the Book of Exodus, Parashat Va'ira. If you were looking or waiting for a podcast last week, I want to thank you for your patience. It was one of those busy weeks where I couldn't get to putting up the podcast on time. But I did share a handful of other recommended Jewish podcasts and blogs on the Tropeful website for you to peruse at your own leisure. You can find the Tropeful website at tropeful.net. So for the past two years... My good friend and colleague, Cantor Shannon McGrady-Bain, and I have chanted the entirety of the Book of Jonah during the Yom Kippur afternoon service. And if you're listening out there, hi, Shannon! Now, when we chant it, we decided to experiment and chant the whole thing in English. It was a successful experiment that delighted the ears of everyone at the service, and I think it is one of the most fitting times to chant in English, as in those waning hours of Yom Kippur afternoon. Hearing the text in English keeps one focused back on the meaning of the text, but in reality, one could chant in English anytime. I think it is a great exercise, actually, in connecting to the meaning of the text, especially for those who do not have the ability to translate the Hebrew themselves. This is a name-dropping episode of Tropeful, for it was my colleague Amy Robinson Katz, a cantorial student and the student cantor at Congregation Bene Israel in Tustin, California, who turned me on to doing this after I heard her chant the entire Haftarah one Shabbat in this manner. And the Haftarashi chanted wasn't one that was an easy one to understand, but with the enlightenment of chanting it in English, it just became incredibly alive. I loved it and wanted to do it myself. So today, for Parashat Va'e Ra, I would like to take us to the Maftir of the portion, that is the last paragraph. We will look at the last three verses of the portion in Exodus chapter 9, verses 33-35. through 35. What comes to light when one chants this in English? Actually, let me chant it for you in Hebrew first as a reference point. It sounds like this, and my last name-dropping of the episode, my congregant and friend Michelle Singleton sang this wonderfully for us just earlier this morning. Vayetze Moshe, par paro et ha'ir, Vaifros kapav el Adonai. V'yach deluhu ha'kolot ve'habarad. U'matar lonitach arca. V'yar par'o. Ki chadal ha'matar ve'habarad ve'ha'kolot. Va yosef lachato. Va beid libo, hu va Va yechhezak lev paroho. Velo shilach et binneh Yisrael. Ka asher tiber adonai So what happens when you turn this trope over onto the English translation? First of all, you have to choose your English translation or make one of your own. The expression goes that every translation is an interpretation itself, and this is always true. One of the main issues also in moving to the English is that the syntax of the sentence in Hebrew and English are different from each other. And unless you want to have choppy, uneven English sentences, you have to reverse the order of a lot of the words to allow the sentences to still flow like natural English. In Hebrew... The verb generally comes first, followed by the subject, and then, if there is one, the direct object. Now, in English, we have the subject first, then the verb, and the only thing that is the same between the two is that the direct object would also be at the end of the phrase. I generally prefer to keep the same exact trope on English that makes sense itself So one hears the general movement of the phrase, but the trope is not always placed on the same exact word where it would be found in the Hebrew. Now when there is text painting, as is the case in this moft here, I do try my best to keep that on the very word it was found in, in the original, since this is one of the most obvious examples of trope interpreting the text. I will now sing this paragraph again with my English equivalent of the trope, and I will stop in just uh, one or two places to point out things that are happening right after I chant them. Leaving Pharaoh, Moses, went outside the city and spread out his hands to Adonai. The thunder and the hail ceased, and no rain came pouring down upon the earth. Now there at the end of that sentence, the Sof pasuk, the end of the passage, the end of the verse, goes down toward the earth. Moving on to the next verse. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased. Now let's stop there. Let's look at a couple things in that phrase. We have text painting on three of these words. The rain, it falls down, and there we have a Dargah trope. Darga the rain followed by the hail, which scoops back up from where it landed on the ground. Maybe even bounced. And the hail... I think it bounced. That is the trope Tivir. Tivir... And the thunder... Thunder, found there on our very common Teepcha trope. It sounds like a bump in the road. Teepcha... And it's got that rhythm of the thunder. And the thunder... Had ceased... And there we find the pause of the end of our etnachtah phrase, and so it ceases but for a moment. Moving on to the second half of this verse. He reverted to his guilty ways, as did his courtiers. So Pharaoh's heart stiffened. And he would not let the Israelites go, just as Adonai had foretold through Moses. I hope that through listening to the English chanting of the text, it gives you a little bit of the sense of what it might sound to listen to the Hebrew as a native speaker, to allow the text to speak to you without any delay in understanding a little taste of the past and present, all mingling as one. Thanks for joining me this week as we begin venturing into the book of Exodus. I look forward to joining you again next time, and until then, be tropeful.